I would say as the playoff run was mounting, we made that decision before we even started, before we left the field against Georgia Southern. I mean, it wasn't so much about the playoff run. It was just every game. Every game was pretty much the next important game. We didn't we didn't worry about who was in front of us. Just let's get this one out of the way, and we'll go to the next one, and we'll go to the next one, and we'll go to the next one. Um, and we just have the mentality, and with everybody putting in the work, when you see the guys putting in the work and everybody's putting in work around you, it, it helps you build that confidence even more so because not only do you want it, but you know you work for it. And if somebody was able to work harder than us, then they just they found more time in the day. It's not because we didn't do what we needed to do to be where we had to be. Hello and welcome to Grizz Greats, the 20th anniversary of Montana's 2001 National Champions. I'm Coulter Nuanez of ESPN Missoula. Grizz Greats is proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications and First Security Bank. This will be a 20-episode podcast chronicling Montana's 2001 run to the Division I AA National Championship. In this episode, we'll be joined by a fan favorite and a favorite of mine as a kid, Atu Molden, unforgettable wide receiver from the University of Montana. Atu Molden played for the Grizz from 1998 to 2001. He compiled 161 catches for 2,300 yards and 26 touchdowns. And his senior season, one of the greatest in the history of the University of Montana, 102 catches for 1,414 yards and 14 scores. He started all 16 games during that 15-1 and season, and he had six, count them, six games with more than 100 yards receiving. He also had more than 600 yards receiving in the playoffs alone during his decorated Grizz career. Molden, famous for his performance, but also popular because of his undeniable charisma, his trusty dog that he brought to practice almost every single day, and his memorable celebrations in the North End Zone. Many people would say that maybe the North End Zone fans are the most crazy when they saw Atu Molden score touchdowns on that side of Washington Grizzly Stadium. Without further ado, former Grizz All-American wide receiver Atu Molden, it's Grizz Greats, the 20th anniversary of the 2001 National Champions. Atu, I know you're in California, so you said might not be able to make it up this week, but just, let's just start there. Is it crazy to you that it's been 20 years? Yeah, man, it's crazy to think it's 20 years. Um, I went to see a, a game at Davis the other day, and I was like, uh, damn, I've been out of school as long as back when I was in it. So I was like 20 when I was in school, and now, shit, I'm 42, and time flies, man. <laughs> time certainly does fly. We'll get into all the memories from the past, but give people a little update on Atu Molden. Where are you at in the world? Where are you up to? Oh, heck, man. It's a little bit of the same old same. I started a landscaping company uh, recently, and I watch dogs and grow my own food and just kind of try to stay out the way, man. Well, that's awesome. Sounds like a very uh, sustainable way of living. You mentioned the dogs. I know you had a, a dog that was pretty famous when you were in college. So have you always just loved animals? Uh, yeah, ever since I was a kid, man. Uh, since the first dogs we had, I had a pit bull named Joy. And uh, ever since then, man, it's been from... Small dogs, big dogs. Uh, I just have a, a, a good understanding with animals in general. Remind me, what was the dog you had in college? Because Johnny Edwards told a story about that. He said he knew you were good when you can bring your dog to, to the practice and the coaches didn't get mad. He knew That, you, that means you're a big-time player. <laughs> when you don't have to get in trouble with your dog. Being but what, what was your dog's name in college? Uh, yeah, dog's name in college was Doja. Um, and I actually have one of her puppies right now still, and the puppy's getting old now. The puppy's like 12 and a half years old, so she's, uh, and her name is Bubbles. You gotta love it. Yeah, but she was great, man. That, that dog actually went to uh, a lot of different places, man. Showed up, up at some hotels when I was playing arena football uh, and actually went to Dan Orozzati's wedding. Very good. <laughs> well, let's start at the very beginning when you were growing up there in Southern California. 
I know that a lot of times where you go to high school is not actually what you consider your hometown, but your high school was in Carmichael, California. But what do you consider your hometown? Uh, that's Del Paso Heights, and it's it's Northern California, but I'm, I'm in uh, Del Paso Heights, California. It used to be its own city, and then it kind of got absorbed into Sacramento. Gotcha. Okay, so then when you were growing up, first of all, just take me through when you, when football first became a love of yours. I mean, what were your first football experiences? What first made football special to you and something that you dreamt about You know, pursuing at such a high level? Man, I just used to watch all the sports, and I was always attracted to the better players. So when I was coming up, it was uh, my – both of my parents are from Texas, so, you know, they're Dallas Cowboy fans. But the best team was the Niners, and the best player was Jerry Rice. So that's just kind of how I got down with that. And I, I came in one day, I think I was maybe six years old, and I was like, you know, I'm going to be a fresh football player. And then that just kind of is what it was from then. It's just that's what I wanted to be. I got to see. And then if you guys can just kind of remember my game, you know, I, I put all those things together. I, I tried to run routes like Jerry Rice, and I wanted to have his attitude where he was always about, team first and if you got you got somebody for me to block i'll block them and then i took a little bit from roger craig and just trying to turn and get as many yards at every play as you can and north and south and score touchdowns and then another influencer on me from that team was ronnie lott and that's why i just blew people up all the time when you were first coming through high school when did your recruiting process first start or when did you realize maybe chasing a division one dream was a reality I mean, I always just knew, um, even, like I said, even when I was six years old, I knew I was going to be a football player. It's just what it was. And my dad was a, a professional baseball player. He played for the Brewers Farm League. And then uh, I, I just kind of always knew just growing up, I was a little bit faster, a little bit taller, a little bit stronger than most of the kids and that I had a good shot at getting down. When did Montana first land on your radar? When did the Grizz first start recruiting you? And do you remember just the details of when they first started talking oh, to you? Man. So I had a pretty good junior year on the defensive side of the ball. We won the uh, section championship out here. And in California, we're in the big northern section. And then we have four other small sections. And then there's a big southern section. Now they have a state championship. Uh, but we got as far as we could go. We won all our games. We played some good competition here in the mid-90s was was pretty tough for high school football and then my senior year I got hurt after my second game so I didn't play my pretty much my whole senior year and nobody recruited me the only people that were left recruiting me was like uh what's the team in New Jersey Rutgers and then it was Montana and then uh Sac State got on real late like they called me after I actually took the Montana trip and I was just I was pretty off put by that that in my own city they didn't want to recruit me so uh it was pretty much easy choice. You're either going to go to Rutgers and be in New York and uh, all the way across the country from home and being on a team where you're going to have to rebuild and or you can go to a place that has championship caliber quality all the time and you're going to win some games. So that, that was pretty much an easy decision, a no-brainer. So even then, even before you came to Montana, you were aware of the tradition and all that? No, it wasn't until I took the recruiting trip. Uh, hell, I didn't even know anything about Montana. You know what I mean? When you're in high school, your world is a lot smaller. Your world is pretty much as big as your city. At least it was back then. Now these kids are traveling everywhere with AAU ball and stuff. But pretty much, you know, everything that involves what was going on was in Sacramento for me at the time. But w once I got into studying what was going on, it was pretty easy to figure it out. What did you think Montana was going to be like before you first came on your visit? Uh... I didn't really have an impression either either way. Uh, I just went with open mind, ready to have a good time. And uh, for sure, you remember what I the first coach was that got on your radar? What, uh, the initial recruiter you had uh, was Brett Pease. 
because well, so that's full circle because Coach Pease is back at Montana coaching receivers now 20 years later. So amazing. Is that right? Uh, do you remember particularly what he was trying to sell you on when he was recruiting you? Um, I mean, it was just basically you're going to come and you're going to be on a winning team. You're going to be you're going to be part of uh, something big that we can do. Uh, and they were working on a pretty good recruiting class. What was promised was that I was going to be able to play both ways. But then when I got up there, I was forced into just playing defense, and then that didn't work out after like my second year. So I, I actually almost left Montana. I did not know that. So that's very interesting. So let's get into that then, because you mentioned the fact that you did play defense your very first year uh, on campus. So uh, what was that first year like? And, and was that sort of your expectation? Did you think you were going to just play defense for your career with the Grizzlies? Uh, no, like I thought I was going to be, like I said, given an opportunity to play both ways. Because in high school, I pretty much never came off the field. I was just offense, defense, played corner. And then I played uh, a receiver and returned kicks. And I was just so used to playing all the time. And that was one of the things I really wanted to do because I always had an, an affection for playing receiver. So then that first year was just tough. I, I was uh, probably the second best corner that we had out of that freshman class. And that we had, we had uh, Damon Parker and Calvin Coleman as well that were defensive backs. And Yo was a defensive back also. Um, and out of that group, I was probably the second. And I just kind of really wasn't physically mature enough to play yet. But then Damon Parker played that year, um, and he played well. And then they moved me to safety, and safety just put me at completely out of my element, and I was just not not built to play that position. I find this so interesting because I think that now, this day and age, guys get locked into the position that they think they're going to play when they're like sophomores in high school, let alone in college. And we hardly ever see guys going back and forth different sides of the ball in college. And who would ever know? I mean, maybe maybe you don't move back to the offensive side of the ball. Maybe you do leave Montana. Maybe this is an entirely different story. So what was, what was the thing that kept you at Montana, though? And what was the thing that got you back on the offensive side of the ball? Uh, well... It was interesting. So the second year when I found out they were moving me to free safety is when I kind of got in my mode of I'm going to do what I want to do and be damn with everybody. So I would like, if somebody left their playbook and it was offensive playbook, I'd take that shit and i study it and i copy it down. So I knew all the offensive stuff. So I was learning that stuff my sophomore year um, because I had a plan. And then after my second year was over and we got done, I think we lost to Eastern Illinois. I basically went in the coach's office and I was like, look, man, if you don't put an offensive jersey in my jersey when I come in for spring ball, I'm leaving. And that was that. And then in the history books are written. I came in, I had a white jersey in my locker, and I was, you know, one of the better receivers to play the game in Montana ever since. Do you remember that being motivating, though, proving after you said, hey, I want to play offense, that, and then trying to prove that, that that's the spot you needed to be at? Yeah, man. And that's that's why I took it so seriously as a sophomore because I knew, I, like I said, I had a plan, man. So I didn't want to come in and be like, oh, this guy has to learn stuff. No, I, I came in ready to go, ready to compete, and, I, and ready to prove that that's where I belonged and that that's where Montana needed me. What do you remember about just sort of the status of the program at that moment? Because Montana had won a national championship a couple of years before you arrived on campus, played in another national championship game, but that with success always comes turnover too. And so a lot of coaches moving in and out. Uh, I think you had a couple of head coaches during your career and probably a bunch of different position coaches. What do you remember about that element and just sort of the way it affected you? Uh, fortunately, my position coach uh, pretty much stayed the same. Once I went to offense, it was Billy Cockhill went from the receiver coach to the offense coordinator uh, my senior year. 
You know, it, it was different having a lot of turnover, uh, but I think that that class that we had of the 13 seniors that ended up uh, finishing there at Montana was just so solid that we just didn't care. We just had we, we were all one minded and had a goal early um, amongst ourselves that we were going to win a championship. Um, and, and we knew we had the talent to do it. We just had to bring it together. And those first two years were tough because we were, I mean, kind of in a downtime. I mean, it's great to, you know, be in a downtime and still make the playoffs, but it just wasn't where uh, we needed to be. There was some fall off for over the last, after the championship. And then, yeah, we just made up our minds, man, that we, we, we were going to do everything that we could to bring a championship to Montana and win one. The process of building that, I mean, how did it go? I mean, what was the incremental nature of it? Because like you mentioned, there was a little lull there, and people kind of forget that. Like you said, down here at Montana, still in the playoffs and things like that. But there was a moment in time where uh, it wasn't quite that nationally elite, but then you guys brought it all the way back and then, and then some and, and got to a level it had never been at before. But what was the process like? I mean, what do you remember the challenges being, and, and just what did it take to sort of rise up to the level that Montana was once at? Um, well, being younger, I mean, I, I couldn't really see it while I was in it, but we just we just didn't have the talent all the way across the board to be able to win those games. I mean, we had a good defense, but it wasn't good enough. And then our, our offense had some, a lot of good players, but we were stuck in that same, like just throw the ball everywhere mode, no running game. And then that's where yo really came in and did, did us a great service. When he, they put him at running back, it changed a lot of things and opened up a lot of doors for us to change the way we played football there. Uh, and it did, it, we got, away from some of the tradition what had been the traditional like air it out throw it everywhere offense more to a balanced game plan where teams just we could hit them from any direction and there was no no real way for them to key on anybody before then those two years in the beginning when we got there were just tough man just losing some tough games and and i can remember a lot of younger guys even though we were sophomores just stepping up and and being very vocal leaders myself included Matt Steinow was a great vocal leader at that time, even though we were younger. And obviously, DP, Damon Parker, he was already playing. So once we got that going, man, it was it, we just kept the ball rolling, improving each year. Uh, I think we got knocked out the first round of the playoffs the first year that I was playing, and then the second round the next year. And then we end up going to two championships in a row. Do you remember your class sort of having a different sort of mentality or what was the collective mentality of your class? Cause it seems as if and now just talking to some of you guys, yo and, and Johnny Edwards and some of these guys that uh, it seems like you guys had a different level of, of maybe expectation uh, for what you guys could accomplish. Um, I think, you know, the, the class, the, the generation around our age now um, was just brought up a little different. You know, we didn't have no internet and uh, we just grew up watching some real gritty stuff on on TV, man. We grew up watching Mike Tyson. We grew up watching Evander Holyfield. We grew up watching the Niners and Dallas go at it, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, we just grew up watching some real hard played ball. And it was just, it was the time when losing wasn't an option. You know what I mean? It was the time when people who were brought up to be great were just taught that, yo, that losing is not an option. It's a bad thing. And you got to push through that shit. And mental toughness was huge. So, you know, you just dealt with whatever was going on in your life. You put that shit to the side and you played ball. And that's what you did. Ball was like you're almost escaped. You weren't worried about stuff that was there on the outside of everything else while you were on the field. And I think that just mentality, just somehow, man, that group of guys they got together was just sharp, iron, had, had the idea that iron sharpens iron. You know, we went hard at each other during practice and we made sure that the games were easy. And when you have guys that are 
in the mode of holding themselves accountable, it's a lot easier on coaches. Like you don't have to worry about getting players to hustle. No, we we got that. We're going to make sure everybody gets done because I can't have you messing up when we get out there because this, this is important. <laughs> you know, that was just the attitude um, that we all had. Winning wasn't really an option. I mean, losing wasn't really an option. At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities to their networks in Montana and beyond. Through Blackfoot sponsorships, local ambassadors, and public programs, we support initiatives such as the Emergency Broadband Benefit, Fiber Deployments, and Community Events. For information on our commitment to improving our communities with fast, reliable, and secure internet access, go to blackfootcommunications.com news. Let's talk about the seasons leading up to then the 2000 and 2001 seasons. What do you remember about those years? And uh, was there disappointment that you guys weren't breaking through it and winning on the national level? And, and what changed then in 2000 initially when you guys made the run to the title game? Um, I think in 2000, man, we were just, we knew we were better than the year before we had performed. Like we just knew we should have been in the championship when we were watching that championship game. And then when we finally got there, Against Georgia Southern, man, I think that's one of the better one double A games that's ever been played as far as that I've played in. Um, it was rainy, it was great football weather. You had two of the opposite teams going at it and really hitting each other in the mouth and going back and forth the whole game. And I think that getting there was sparked by really the first loss we took in Eastern Illinois when they just beat the pants off of us, man. Like they, they beat us like something stupid. It was like 59 to 10 or 59 to seven because he scored one of those limp touchdowns in the fourth quarter. And I can just remember the practice before going out there and our defense was kind of taking stuff like a day's goal or a scout team. had got a couple touchdowns on us and I was yelling during the practice. I said, man, y'all think this is a joke. These boys is coming to beat us, man. And y'all out here playing, like taking this easy. Like we got to, get practice nailed down and then sure enough we went out there and got whooped but that was just real motivation man you know it's not not for discouragement it's like we came out they were better than us and we ain't gonna let that happen again and then man that that 2000 year when we lost to georgia southern was hard because that group of guys man we put everything in that game and we played so hard and they played hard and it was so evenly matched the man after we lost that game i just sat on a bench out there and watched them celebrate and couldn't even couldn't even bear the fact that we wasn't them. Like, it pissed me off so bad. And then the next year, 2001, was even still a little bit of a downer because their quarterback got hurt, and then we had to play Furman. We wanted to play them again. Hell, I was ready to challenge them after we won the championship to a game in Montana. I was still wanting to play that game. It's a game I, <laughs> I, I still it. wish we could get back. I, I, I damn near, if I wasn't 42 years old, I want to play them right now. That, that still leaves a sour taste in my mouth. But that's kind of... That's the competitive nature that I was raised under. Like a game 21 years ago that I didn't get to play pisses me off. Sometimes those are the things that are the things that springboard, right? I mean, we see this especially in football. The biggest loss turns into then a run to the championship. We see it a lot when teams lose the conference championship game in the NFL, and then they make a run to the Super Bowl, or they lose in the Super Bowl, make a run the next year and win it. Uh, and I think we see it at the college level a lot too, falling just short and then using that as, as sort of the springboard. So that offseason before 2001, what do you remember about just the mentality of the team? Because it seems like a pretty dedicated group of guys with a pretty singular goal. A lot of people stayed for the summer working out, 
getting faster, making sure that they left no stone stone unturned. Those that didn't stay came back early to get it. Hell, I can remember we were staying in my my partner Courtney Johnson's house, and there was maybe 10 of us in the apartment. We were just laying everywhere, getting up and going and working out every day. Some of the best memories I have are from that that summer, just really going hard and, and, and really staying after it and committing to excellence. There's really nothing better than Missoula in the summer when you're just grinding with your guys too, right? No, it is pretty awesome. Yeah, it's a great place to be, man. A nice, chill town. Uh, yeah, I love Missoula, man. Very nice. What was your favorite part about living in Missoula? Uh, man, I don't even know if there's really a favorite part. You know, it was fun. It's just a great town. Great people. Had a, had a great time uh, interacting with different fans um, and different just uh, – people from the town that I got to meet and hang out with. Man, to be honest with you, it's it's like a it's almost like Davis, California, which I was very familiar with. So there was just something familiar about it, even though I was so far away. That's so true. I always tell myself my midlife crisis is gonna be going back to school at UC Davis. I love UC Davis, man. You went to school at UC Davis? No, I went to school in Montana. I just I always always tell myself if I was gonna go back and do it again, I was just gonna go have a midlife crisis. I'd go live in Davis, California, because I just love it. Everybody riding their bikes and all the little restaurants and stuff. I think that place is awesome. I, I thought maybe you took a couple classes out there afterwards. I wish, man. Nah, maybe uh, maybe yeah, someday for sure. Cool. Um, let's talk about some of the characters on the team. I mean, that offensive line is legendary. So first of all, just start with them. I mean, what what did you think of just the offensive line that you guys had on that 2001 national championship team? Nasty group of dudes, which is exactly what you want in your offensive line. And then we had some real skilled guys, uh, you know, guys like Thatcher Zelay and Skinner. They they went to the NFL and played with the biggest boys on the scene. So great mentality, just wanted to win and wanted to grind and wanted to inflict like some damage while they were doing their job. Uh, and obviously in a game like football or boxing or any kind of combat sport, any the more damage you can do, the easier your job becomes during the game. And they were just so keyed in, man, and so on it that, you know, didn't have to worry that they were going to be in the right place or doing the right thing at all times, that the accountability level was great. Thatcher and I shared the same birthday, which is awesome, so we always got to celebrate our birthdays together. That um, dynamic, too, is always fascinating yeah. to me, just covering uh, sports in Montana, especially college sports, because you do get guys like you that come from a metropolitan area in California, and all of a sudden now you're sharing the same birthday in the same locker room with a guy like Thatcher who's from you know the middle of nowhere in northwest Montana. So what did you remember about this, that element, just sort of meshing cultures and getting to know guys from uh, a, a completely different world from where you grew up? wasn't really a change. I'm pretty multicultural dude. When I look at my group of friends, I have a group of friends that represent almost every nation. It's weird when we go out downtown and you see one group of friends, They most times they don't look like us. They're all kind of pretty much monolithic. But yeah, I, so I've always had a real diverse group of friends and going to Jesuit probably pretty much helped that out a lot, helped me develop that characteristic a lot um, because it's a school across town and it's a private Catholic school and coming from more of an inner city school where it's mostly uh, mostly black folks and Russians and, and different ethnic groups and going out there where it's mostly upscale white cats and, 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 and more diverse group too, but it mostly Jesuits was considered upscale and you had to have money and uh, the majority of people there were white. So then I just my, my my friends have always been diverse, so that was not really much of a change for me. But yeah, it, it it was a great experience, that's for sure. I also find it so interesting that 
like you mentioned, the Johansi Humphrey came to Montana as potentially a defensive guy too, and then you guys go on to become two of the greatest offensive players in the history of the program. So uh, what do you remember about that transition with Yo? I mean, it seems like he found his perfect spot because, I mean, he is absolutely one of the great running backs the Grizz have ever had. Yeah, I can remember. Uh, well, he and I came on the same recruiting trip, uh, so we met each other early, earlier than we met a lot of guys. I remember watching his highlight tape. You know, you're trading highlight tapes with guys and seeing what everybody could do. I was, this guy's an amazing running back. What, what does he do at playing quarter? I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm a pretty damn good receiver. What am I doing over here, too? And then uh, he got to call up early, man. He got to call up early that second year and, and never looked back. I have to admit, I was a little jealous, but I wasn't going to take it laying down. It seems like just yesterday and a lifetime ago that the University of Montana last claimed a football national championship. 20 years ago, the Grizz rolled to their second national title in seven years behind a Montana-made roster featuring some of the most memorable figures in the history of the Grizz. While much has changed with the Montana program and much has changed about Missoula, the one thing that hasn't changed is the trust folks around Montana can have in First Security Bank. First Security Bank has long been one of the fiercest supporters of the University of Montana and its awesome sports teams, and First Security Bank is proud to support Grizz Greats, the 20th anniversary of Montana's 2001 National Champions, a 20-part podcast series with interviews and memories from that unforgettable run by the Grizz two decades ago. First Security Bank, proud supporters, ESPN Missoula and the Grizz Greats podcast series. Well, how about the quarterback spot? Because Johnny Edwards sort of grinded to get to that spot. Uh, it was an interesting transition, too, because late 90s, it's completely different offense than what you guys were running in 2000, 2001. So much more spread stuff. I know Drew Miller was throwing it all over the place. But then uh, Johnny had to sort of battle it out to, to win that spot, but then became such a solid guy that uh, probably the steadying presence that you needed. But what do you remember just about the fl- influx of the quarterback position during your career? Uh, yeah, man. When I first got there, it was Brian Ayotte, uh while I was playing defense. And, yeah, he was throwing the ball everywhere. And then with Drew, it was kind of uh, a little bit of the transition to a more balanced offense. Um, we still threw the ball around a lot, but we had a bunch of receivers. It was myself, Jimmy Ferris, uh, Travis Walker. We, we just had a lot of guys out there to spread the ball around to. So we used that to our advantage. And then coming into our senior years, pretty much me and TJ um, with the new crew of guys underneath us that were filling in the spots. You know, you had Spencer Frederick playing a lot of tight end, and, and, and our tight ends became a much bigger role during that during our junior and senior years. But Johnny, man, Johnny's probably my favorite. Drew probably threw the best ball that I caught, but, but Johnny just had that attitude, man, that just matched our team perfectly. And he knew how to how to do what it took to win. It didn't it didn't matter what it took. He would do it. That that's so it stands out so much to me is the mentality that John Edwards had the 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 attitude like he said that he had it, it did it seemed to fit Montana it seemed to be so on brand with the Grizzlies. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, I, I have you uh, interviewed him because I'd imagine it was pretty amazing for him. Oh you know, yeah, I mean his his stories were unbelievable. I mean he's like a professional speaker. It's like, cra- his memory dream, was crazy. You know? Yeah, that's like that's the dream right there. You're you're playing ball at at your university, and you're the starting quarterback of a championship team. Like that, that's awesome. Um, and, and I suppose like his road to get there really helped build that character and build that mentality that he had. How about the defense? What do you remember about them battling them every day in practice, and also just the the way that they were able to carry you in certain points? I mean, because that national championship game, you guys scored a little bit, but that was a, pretty much a full shutout by the defense, and that was basically the story of the day. So, what do you remember just about the Grizz defense from two thousand two thousand one. 
had love hate, you know, mostly love. <laughs> but when we had the, but when we had to go against them personally, I hated them. They were really that good. And uh, like I said, we we believed in the in the tactic that iron sharpens iron. So it's not like they were taking it easy on us. I think our senior year we had to stop the damn game, the spring ball game, or because people were getting hurt. Uh, because we were just both going at it that hard. Um, hell, we when, we when we played ones versus ones, we went at it just like they were another team. I, I ain't got time for no mess. I want to see what you got. Got to see it right now. I got to. I we got to prove it every day. You don't. Know, you don't get days off. You know, there's that. Is if you ain't getting better, you're getting worse. There ain't no staying the same. Um, and we really took that to heart. But our defense, man, was just our defense was incredible, man. They were able to do some great things and able to let us go out there and play offense knowing that we can make a mistake like they got us. And then at the same token, we had the offensive mindset of whenever our defense gave something up or had some kind of patchy situation where we were down, well, let's get that back. Let's get that back right now. And even though the two teams are kind of so separated because you have one team over here and you have meetings separately and you live separately, uh, the way we were able to come together and, and put and have each other's back was just incredible. Steinau was one of Matt Steinau was one of the real vocal leaders over there on the defensive side. That dude, that that guy was just a beast, you know. And he and Yo probably my two closer friends from that senior year. And he would he, he just didn't take no for an answer. Didn't care who it was. <laughs> As you guys navigated that season, is there any specific games or moments that stand out to you or that you remember uh, more vividly than others? Uh, dun, 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 dun. I think we played, uh, I think we had played Eastern Illinois in the playoffs. It was a red and white team. They tried to start yep. a fight before the game. And, and it was like the first round of the playoffs. We're at home and we laid it. We, I don't think defense let them score, but we didn't score at all. And we had some opportunities that we kind of let go by the wayside. And I can remember coming in the locker room and just ripping the shit out of our offense. Not, not in a blaming way, but in a, this is what we need to do way. And hell, the offensive coaches came in there and they peeked their head in the in the door and just turned around and walked back out like we don't have nothing to say. They got this. We went out there and we, we put some points on the board and whipped them in that second half. And, and that really propelled our – I think some of the younger guys that we had, that propelled them to start getting the attitude that, yo, they're not going to let us lose, dude. So we might as well just do what we need to do. What do you remember about the rivalry with Montana State? And uh, do you remember the Cacarez game, both your junior and senior years? Didn't like them. Of course not. Did not like them at all. Uh, I can recall one of our linemen picking up one of their defensive guys after he knocked him down, and I was pissed. I was damn near about to fight our linemen. I was don't you pick that dude up, man. I don't give, and he's like, we're friends. I don't give a damn if you're friends. You can't be friends today. You be friends after this shit. We got a, we got business to handle right now. Ain't no picking nobody up from the ground. This is us. But I was always like that, man, as a kid. I, and then you giving me a rivalry game, it's going to even ramp it up even more. So, yeah, I, I did not like those guys. And he, I, I, I respected them. They were good. And they got better, and that rivalry got a lot closer through the years. Like, they progressively made uh, improvements, so I definitely have respect at them, at them for that. And they always came out to play, that's for sure. Well, we talked about I your position think, coaches, think... but got to ask you about Coach Glenn. What are some of your substantial memories of him? Coach Glenn, for me, at least, is like the consummate head coach. You know, he really didn't coach a position, I don't think, but he was able to get the coaches and, and able to get, able to get the coaches doing what they needed to do and able to 
give them what they needed to be successful. Whatever he was doing when he was running the show was awesome. It definitely worked out, and you could just feel it with the chemistry that we had. And, yeah, he was a good coach, man. He did a lot of things. He kept everything upbeat, and he kept people on the same page and kept the train moving for sure. It's so interesting because there's so many different types of coaches, and like Bobby Houck at Montana right now, he's such a hard-nosed coach, hardly any of that sort of upbeat enthusiasm. It's more just like discipline and training and all that stuff, and it works very well, and the Grizz are rolling right now, but um, it seems like Joe Glenn and his, like you said, the upbeat way, I seem like that was very uh, conducive to sort of the personality of the team because it seemed like you guys kind of led the team on your own. It seemed like it was a very player-run program at the time, so maybe the guy who sort of plays good cop was, was essential for just your guys' chemistry. Uh, I don't know who made the decision, but it was an excellent decision. And I, 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 when I, I don't know why they made the decision, I should say that. But if that's what they were thinking and that's what they were saying, uh, that's awesome that they were that thoughtful and that um, had the ability to recognize that because you're, you're right. It really was the perfect match, like not only the perfect match for us, but maybe even the perfect match for him so he could be his 100%. You know what I mean? He could be all he had to be, not having to worry about certain things that players were kind of taking care of. And our and our position coaches were no joke either. He made sure our position coaches held us to account too whenever we needed to be held to account. Um, hell, I remember the first day of my senior year of spring ball, I came out like an hour late to practice because I just randomly just overslept not didn't get enough sleep i just woke up and was like oh shit supposed to be a practice but like that accountability goes man i just came out i ran out there with my put my stuff on i kind of got a little light stretch in the locker room and hustled out to the field and hopped right into the spot where i was supposed to be i think we were in one-on-ones and just started falling out out of control and trying to make up for the lost time i had missed but even then the coach comes up to me and he's like what happened man where you at it's like coach and, and and you know like i said man the theme was kind of accountability and i just man up to hey coach i fell asleep if i was drunk i would have told you if i was this i would have told you uh but i don't want to be nowhere where else except for here right now you can guarantee that and then it's just you know it's just about keeping that mentality and and holding account i was never late again that's for sure <laughs> no no question well as the playoff run was mounting that senior year could you feel it i mean could you guys feel that you were sort of a team on a mission uh i wouldn't say as the playoff run was mounting we made that decision before we even started before we left the field against georgia southern i mean it wasn't so much about the playoff run it was just every game every game was pretty much the next important game we didn't we didn't worry about who was in front of us just let's get this one out the way and we'll go to the next one and we'll go to the next one and we'll go to the next one um and we just had the mentality and with everybody putting in the work when you see the guys putting in the work and everybody's putting in work around you it, it helps you build that confidence even more so because not only do you want it but you know you work for it and if somebody was able to work harder than us, then they just they found more time in the day. It's not because we didn't do what we needed to do to be where we had to be. Do you have a favorite moment or play of your own from, from that year? Or, or maybe of one of your teammates, too? I mean, just something that sort of defines your memory when you think of that 20 years ago? You know, there's there's memories uh, that I've seen from uh, in my head, just flashes of seeing different plays from watching um, – watching different game films and stuff. And I have a couple uh, probably odder ones than some people would. But my touchdown in the championship game that we played against Georgia Southern kind of broke the ice for us, and it was the first touchdown. That felt good, especially since I made a guy miss in the rain and then scooted in for, I think, like an 11-yard touchdown on a, on a naked screen. 
I, there's a play with Yo that I have in my head that I'll never forget. One of the guys was blocking, and they got their arms extended with a blocker, and Yo literally ran underneath the arms of both the guys. That was pretty damn amazing. I got the memory of Damon Parker running back to pitch against Sac State in double overtime when they tried to run the option at the last play, and he's taken off to the end zone. There are just so many great plays, man. I had Myself, I think I had three game winners in double overtimes for touchdowns. And maybe the one against Eastern Washington was probably my personal favorite simply because I called the shot. Like, we, they kicked the field goal, and then I sat there and I looked at uh, my homeboy, Vernon Smith, and I was like, bro, this shit is over. I'm about to score a touchdown right now, right over there in the north end zone. Watch this shit. And sure enough, a couple plays later, third down and 10, boom, put it up there. Let's go to the end zone, touchdown. And that was just kind of a mentality I was always able to have, and for some reason – when the pressure was really on, I was able to center myself and calm down and just do what needed to be done. I think I had maybe six game winners altogether in my career, which is kind of amazing thinking that I was like six for six. I didn't miss one. It was like Aaron Rodgers throwing a Hail Mary. You know, it's pretty much guaranteed. It's so amazing thinking about how many close games you guys played, too. Like, I remember that 2000 game against App State when Jimmy Ferris caught the, the touchdown in the corner of the end zone to win it. And, I mean, Great you game. mentioned six game winners for you. I mean, you guys went to overtime, I think, four times during that championship season. It's easy to forget that because it was a 15-1 and year and only the one loss to yep. Hawaii. But why? I mean, why were you guys able to win those close games pretty much week in and week out when you were in them? Um, it, it really was just the mentality um, and the, the sense of duty to your teammates. Like, we, we're prepared for all the scenarios. I think Tom Brady put it best last year when he said, all I got to do is keep my body in shape because I know all the answers to the test. Like, we had already been through all the tests and all the trials by fire. We've been through the close losses, um, and we'd seen what that felt like. We'd been through going through playoffs and losing and then going through playoffs and losing in the championship. So we had really taken all the steps and been through all the stuff. It was just a matter of doing it the senior year. But I can remember coming in for the first day when the new freshmen come in and everybody meets each other and they introduce themselves and we're going around so when it gets to me and i'm i'm supposed to introduce myself i stand up and i said man i'm six foot two 200 pounds my name is atu molden i'm wide receiver for the university of montana and if you ain't here to win a fucking championship get the fuck out <laughs> i love that man yeah that's that's good stuff right there well it is an attitude that then was part of the Grizz program for a good 10 years after that as well. But when you guys first secured that championship, it was the second trip to the mountaintop for Montana. You, the Grizz have been back to the national championship game a couple times. I think it really proved to people that Montana wasn't just a flash in the pan. It wasn't just Dave Dickinson that won the championship. This, this was a group to be reckoned with, a program to be reckoned with. So when you guys secured that, what do you remember the feeling being like just in terms of satisfaction? And what was sort of the aftermath? What was the post-game celebration and, and everything else like after you guys took home the, the championship in well, that's kind of the, uh, I guess I have to say it's one of the issues with, uh, with having the attitude of the next game is the most important game. And when you actually get to the championship game, at least for me, this is how it felt. Uh, and maybe it is a little bit of a fact that we didn't get to play who I, we wanted to play. We wanted a little bit of a revenge against to avenge that loss that we had the year before. Uh, but it was a little bit of a letdown for me. I mean, it was great, but I was just like, oh, this is it. We won the championship, but we didn't get to play who we wanted to play. Uh, load up the plane, man. Let's go home. Give me, get, let's get our rings and get out of here. Like, because, yeah, e even still, like, with all the success we had, and, and I'd speak for myself, but I, I think pretty much to a man, 
everybody who played in that game the year before wanted to play Georgia Southern. Yeah, I mean, and Georgia Southern was sort of the team at that moment in time, too. I mean, I think that championship that they won against you guys was their fifth, which was the most at that point uh, in Division One AA or FCS history. So they were certainly a team to, to, to be reckoned with. That's part of why the playoff system, though, is beautiful, right? Because you do have sometimes the best teams get knocked out. Or, I mean, I guess it just it leaves it leads it so that the team that's playing the best is the team that has the opportunity to go on a run. But oftentimes the best team isn't the team that's playing the best at the end of the year. So sort of unfortunate you guys didn't get to play Georgia Southern, but that's also sort of the beauty of the playoffs, right? And and I think uh, Furman also proved some things, too, uh, obviously, during that game, that their defense was legit. The defense of Furman was better than the defense of Georgia Southern. I, they were bigger. They were stronger. And it was, it wasn't, it was tough moving the ball against us or against them. And then I think the fact that they were so much bigger um, than Georgia Southern made it to where our linemen couldn't really get that we never got that sense of we're wearing them down now. You know what I mean? Like they just kept coming and we just kept coming. And maybe our game plan was a little bit more uh, conservative than the previous championship. I think uh, Coach Glenn kind of let us get a little bit more loose and, and we really opened it up against Georgia Southern. And I, I just felt like we kind of played a little more close to the best during the Furman game. But it's neither here nor there. It just kind of is what it is. And games go how they go for whatever reason. But that mentality of just winning those games and, and sense of duty was just, it permeated the whole team. What was it like being a national champion in Missoula? Like, I know you guys didn't actually fly back that night. You had a little party at the hotel, but what happened when you got back to Missoula? What was it like you know, to walk around uh, a football-crazy town like Missoula and say, hey, I'm a national champion? I mean, the Missoula people, man, they, and the Missoula and the Montana people in general, man, they love their football, so we were always treated great. It's not like we could have been treated he, does does King get better treatment? I, I don't I don't know if that's possible. But it was great having uh, satisfied our goal and having brought another championship uh, to the people of Missoula. You know what I mean? Because it, really, I always had the mentality that the fans, even though you're not getting paid in college, the fans are the ones that pay your salaries, man. And that's what we're out there to do, ultimately. I've always played for the enjoyment of the fans because when I used to watch the game, I watched the game as a fan. And that's kind of what I expected from teams I watched. Like, I want to see you give everything you got, win or lose. You know, do all the necessary steps it takes to improve. Like, that's what you're supposed to do. You're professional. But that's kind of how we took it, man. It was a great sense of pride being able to bring another championship to Montana. Um, and I think the fact that it's been another 20 years, and even though they've been a couple times, if they haven't got one, it just shows the grit and just how hard it is to win a national championship. Like, a lot of things have to go right. Well, just learning to win at that high of a level uh, when you were a young man, how much do you think that's influenced you just throughout the rest of your life? Uh, I mean, it's, it's it's lifestyle, that's for sure. Unfortunately, it makes it to where I have a hard time having a regular job, so I just started working for myself because people just don't take their jobs seriously enough in the regular world. Man, isn't that true? And, and, and it, it's it's upsetting to a person who just wants to be excellent. And I don't even care what it is. Like, I just don't have time to be messing around. If I'm going to do a job, if it if it's picking up trash, I'm trying to pick up all the trash. Loading up uh, trucks, I'm trying to load the trucks perfectly. No rips, no mistakes. And a lot of people just don't have that mentality. So um, I guess I've got to see how real special that kind of mentality is. When you're around people that are in that same mode all the time in the professional world, for the most part, you get a little spoiled at people working to a common goal, doing their best. 
Is that what then you take from this? I mean, is that sort of the influence is just learning the importance of that teamwork and the importance of giving your best when your best is needed? Definitely. Definitely. I mean, for me, that's just the only way to live, really. When you think back on this, then what what is your 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 best memory, or what 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 is the thing that you think about the most when you think about your senior year at the University of Montana and your national championship run? You know, the play I probably play in my mind the most is an odd one. We had a play against Montana State. It's the play. There was a play with T.J. Oakers. He caught a ball over the middle of the field, and the crazy thing about it is, previous to that year, we had basically the same play at Montana State two years prior, and I think it was Greg Olson caught the ball over the middle. I think it was the same exact play, and then then you go from one juxtaposition, you got a field goal that we kick, and he makes it for the winning winning shot, and then we have our senior year, and there's a field goal one for the shot, and that just basically typifies uh, the grit, man. There's two games we could have lost to Montana State, but instead... Guys make incredible plays, catching balls over the middle with guys hanging on them, and we kick field goals in the in the windy uh, stadium, and things just fall into place. And it, it happens over and over and over again. And I think all those things happening just kind of built our confidence to a level that we were just un- unbreakable. And that's something that then resonated at Montana for quite some time afterwards. Ah, to Molden Grizz greats, the 20th anniversary of the 2001 national champion Grizzlies. This has been great, man. Great stories, and uh, you're an entertaining guy to talk to. So we appreciate you taking so much time, man. Awesome, man. Very good talk anytime.